Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God. <laughs> this is so beautifully said uh, that you come to seek and save the lost. And uh, I pray, Lord, that we would find great joy in, uh, in the salvation that has come through you. I pray, God, that that would be something that motivates us, that drives uh, who we are, not only how we see ourselves, but how we, uh, we love one another. So, Spirit, guide and lead us today in your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> uh, when you hear the word uh, generous, who is somebody that comes to mind? Maybe for you it is... Uh, like a, a grandmother or a grandparent or maybe even your parents who have gone the extra mile for you in the things that they give. Maybe every year on your birthday, there's a, or that birthday card that has a nice check that is with your name on it, right? Or, or maybe when you think of uh, generous, you think of somebody who you wish that you knew who has a lot of money and is willing to give a lot of money to other people. And in fact, uh, I was reading an article uh, from Forbes magazine that was entitled The Most Generous People That Live on the Earth. Anybody want to take a guess as to who is the most generous person, according to Forbes magazine, that is living right now? Bill Bill Gates. Yeah, exactly. Right. First, off the bat, Bill Gates, most generous man, according to Forbes magazine, that lives on the earth, all right? Now, Bill Gates here, uh, in 2017 alone, he gave away $4.8 billion. Y'all aren't impressed by that. $4.8 billion Bill Gates gave away. Now, a lot of it he gave away to the Bill Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which seeks to enhance healthcare, reduce extreme poverty, and expand educational opportunities. But that doesn't matter, right? $4.8 billion is a lot of coin, all right? But, but maybe you're not all that impressed because you're like, well, doesn't Bill Gates got a lot of money? And he does, all right? In fact, uh, in 2017, this is just kind of for fun here, uh, they estimated that Bill Gates has about $81 billion to his name. Now, to help us kind of understand that, um, if you were to put $81 billion into a bank, on interest alone, you would make $128 every second. It's a lot of cash, right? If you were to stack eight. $81 billion, like if I were to start a stack of money with $100 bills, right, and I could stack it up and make sure that it stays sturdy, for that to account for $81 billion, that would go for 55 miles into the air. And if you were given an inch of that stack of money, you would receive $23,255. It's a lot of coin. 
right? If Bill Gates were to give everybody in the world $10, he could do that and he would still have $2.26 billion left over. And this one is probably the most fascinating to me. That if Bill Gates were to spend a million dollars a day to go through $81 billion, he would have to spend a million dollars a day for 218 years. It's not even possible, right? Anybody feeling broke right now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Shameless plug, yeah, here we go. Yeah, right? Here's, here's my point, all right? I, if you know Bill Gates, I'd love to get in contact with him, all right? But, but my point is bigger than this. Oftentimes, we, uh, we think that true generosity is tied to an amount that you give. To be generous means that you give a big amount to something, But I want to argue today that true generosity actually isn't tied to an amount that you give. That generosity is actually tied to a point that changes you. That that true generosity leads you into a place of that you're willing to sacrifice. Because to be generous isn't about the amount that you give, it's about the change that you have to make to give. Because I would argue that even though Bill Gates gives away billions of dollars every single year to many people, I don't think that he's more generous than our God. Because generosity isn't just tied to an amount of money that you give. Generosity is tied to something a lot deeper. And today we're going to be starting a series called Imitation Generosity. And oftentimes uh, we get lost in the fake understanding of what generosity really means. Today in particular we'll be talking about the generosity isn't tied to just an amount. But the reality is, is that you and I, we hate fake stuff. Fake, we hate fake things because they just break, right? Some of my favorite fake things I found on the internet right here, a poly station, right? You buy this, you're like, oh man, this is not good. This ain't working right. Or, or a pair of Mikey shoes. Also, something that you would never want to purchase and buy, and this one's actually my favorite of all imitation things, Deets by Nani. So Beats by Dre, if you don't understand the reference, all right? I mean, you and I, we, we recognize that imitation things isn't what we want to fall into. We want the real deal. We want to understand truly what it is. And I think oftentimes when we think about generosity, we boil this down to just about money. And maybe you showed up today at Trinity Galewood for the first time, and you're like, great. Here we go. The church, once again, talking about money. And and if that's the mindset that you have already, I'm telling you that you've bought into the imitation generosity. 
Because that's not truly what generosity is only about. Yes, generosity involves our pocketbook and the money that we have, but it would also involve, I would argue, four things. These four things are service and volunteerism, to be generous with the time that we have. Are we willing to give that to other people? Uh, To be generous with our emotional support. That generosity is also tied to the fact of, am I willing to go deeper in relationships? Generosity is tied to our giving and our finances. It is tied to the things that we spend money on. But I would also argue that generosity is also tied to hospitality. Are we willing to let people into our world even when it's uncomfortable for us? See, if we're going to measure generosity, we can't just measure it by only one of these things. In fact, I would argue that God himself doesn't measure generosity only on one of these four. That when he looks at generosity and the generosity that he examples to us, it includes all four of these things. So today, if you get one thing from today, I want you to understand this point. That real generosity is about changing you, which leads to a point of sacrifice. Real generosity, not imitation or fake, real generosity is about changing you and me, which leads us to a point of sacrifice. And to example this, I don't want to look at Bill Gates and all the money that he gives away. I want to point us to to Jesus and this beautiful story that we just read of Jesus interacting with a man named Zacchaeus. And in this story, you're going to see how Jesus changes this guy's life and how he is changed as a result. This comes from Luke chapter 19. We read verses 1 through 10. The story is this. Um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, he's already done a bunch of miracles. He's already been born into this world, all this sorts of stuff. He's on his final descent to Jerusalem to go and give the ultimate sacrifice, ultimately dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. And as he enters into this town of Jericho, we read that there's a hated man. His name is Zacchaeus. He's the guy that nobody likes in the village. And Jesus, we read, is entering into Jericho and he is passing on by. In fact, this is what we read. Verse one, it says that he, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Uh, This is important to note that Jesus is going through Jericho and he's not stopping there. Now, now keep in mind, Jesus was a big deal. Uh, by this time of his life, people are interested in who he is. He's healing all kinds of people. And, and it would be proper for him as who he is that he would stay in Jericho. But Jesus instead says, I'm passing through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Now, Jericho and Jerusalem, if you were to look at them on a map here, which is kind of tough to see, my point is this. They're really close to one another. They're not all that far, but 
But what Jesus is doing here in this moment is something really kind of interesting. Uh, it would be similar to like your favorite band who like plays a show in St. Louis and has a show in Milwaukee and they just skip Chicago, right? It's like, why are they not coming here? In fact, the people are kind of upset that Jesus isn't going to stay in Jericho. We read that it continues on in verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, I've taught on this before, um, but to be a tax collector was not an honorable job or position. It was never something that you went home and told your parents, guess what, I'm going into the tax collecting business. It was something that was the worst, the lowest job that could exist in that town and village. The equation that we've talked about before is one like a guy who uses kids to sell drugs. I mean, this is not like a position that is seen as, as people are excited that, hey, the tax collector is here. And you read that Zacchaeus, not only is he a tax collector, but he's what? He's a chief tax collector. And he's rich. So he's the best of the tax collectors, like the best of the worst. And he's really good at it, right? Because he's rich, which means that he's conned a lot of people in Jericho. Zacchaeus is the guy who shows up at the sporting event wearing the opposing team's jersey. You're like, please don't sit next to me, right? And loudly cheers on the opposing team. Zacchaeus is a hated man in this area. Kind of an interesting little note. It was culturally acceptable for the people during the time of Jesus to lie to tax collectors. Think about this. His profession, as the people looked around him, it was acceptable for people to be lying to you. Zacchaeus is a hated man in this place of Jericho. And we read that something interesting happens. Verses three and four, it says, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. This is Zacchaeus. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Zacchaeus, this little dude, does two things that are strange for anybody during this time. He runs, which is strange for the people during the time of Jesus, and he climbs up a tree a sycamore tree. And maybe if you've been in Sunday school as a young kid, you have that song stuck in your head right now. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Oh. I'm so sorry, all right? If you, if you don't know that song, you're a little more holy, all right? So, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, he... He climbs up in a, a sycamore tree. This is interesting. A sycamore tree, um, as you see on the screen here, would never be planted inside the village. It was a rule 
that the sycamore trees would have to be planted at least 75 feet outside of the village. Why? I don't know. It just was that. But I want you to get this image in your mind of what's happening here. Jesus comes into Jericho. He says, I'm not going to stay here. Zacchaeus hears about Jesus, this man that is healing all of these people, and he runs ahead outside of the village, and he climbs up in this tree. It's in this moment that then Jesus shows up, and it says in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And we read in verse 7 that all of a sudden something changes. And when they, being the people of Jericho, saw it, they grumbled. For he has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Let those words sink in for a second. Jesus shows up in this area, sees the hated man, and says, I want to go to your house. This, as we read here, was radical. So much so that the people moved their hatred from Zacchaeus to Jesus. Think about that for a second. He could have just ignored him, right? Gosh, I don't really want to. No, Jesus seeks out Zacchaeus. He says, I want to eat at your place. I want to stay with you. And truthfully, Imagine if you're Zacchaeus in this moment. All of a sudden, all the people that had all the hatred aimed at you are now looking at somebody else. We read how grateful Zacchaeus must have been. Because I want you to understand this, that real generosity is about changing you which leads you to a point of sacrifice. Real generosity changes you. And it comes with sacrifice. And so we read in the story that what happens next is that Zacchaeus actually is changed. (laughs) It's very subtle, right? But we read in verse 8, it says this, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, A half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Hear this. The man who was robbing from other people, the one who was rich and was good at his craft, now all of a sudden changes. and says that I'm going to go and change some things. I'm going to restore back the things that I've taken and I've stolen. 
because of the generosity that I have experienced from God. And Jesus has this beautiful statement. I love these words. Three big things he says here. Jesus said to him, today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Since he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Three beautiful things here. I love this statement. Number one, he says, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, it wasn't that he like earned the right for Jesus to show up. In fact, he did everything to like push him away. But because God came into this place, now salvation has come into this house. Because change is here. There's this great theologian, his name uh, was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He talks about grace, and he says, oftentimes we fall into this understanding that grace is cheap, that it's not, well, I'll just give you the quote here. He says this, that grace is, is costly for the one who offers it and the one who receives it. And in this circumstance, it was costly for Jesus to offer grace to Zacchaeus to take on that hatred. But it was also costly for Zacchaeus to receive it because he knew that this was gonna change some things for him. And by the way, when Jesus says that salvation has come into this house, I love that statement because what it really is showing is that salvation is this ongoing working thing that God is doing. Certainly God has declared that by his death and resurrection, we are a part of his family. But what I know in my own walk of faith is that God is continuing to change me, to work on me, to show me what true generosity looks like. The second thing he says, Jesus at the end there, he says that now you're a son of Abraham. It's a beautiful statement. Uh, In the Old Testament, this guy, Abraham, Father Abraham, there's another song that I don't wanna get stuck in your head. But, but Father Abraham, right? He, he has many sons. <laughs> and, and what's interesting about the life of Abraham is that from the very beginning of his journey, he is one that is displayed as one who trusts in God. God calls Abraham to leave his village, to go to a whole new place, And that would have been crazy during that time, but Abraham went. See, what Jesus is saying here is that you and I are sons of Abraham, just like Zacchaeus was in that moment, and that will require moments of faith, moments of trust, moments of stepping out, moments of sacrifice that will change you. And beautifully, Jesus says, lastly, that I have come to bring home the lost. I don't know where you are at with Jesus right now. I don't know what you brought when you came into church here today, but if you're mad with God, if you've been hurt or you're questioning, I want you to know this point, that Jesus wants to bring you home. He doesn't want to leave you lost, wondering 
what this life is about. Our God desires to bring salvation. He wants us to be the sons of Abraham, to trust. And he promises to bring a home, especially to the lost. Because God's generosity moves people to great places of change and to great sacrifice. And see, here's the thing. This story in Luke chapter 19, it's a great story. I love it. It's a beautiful illustration of God changing this little man's life and how he would become so radically different. But, but as I think about generosity, I think about the generosity that I see from God's people even today. I mean, I think about how I've seen God's people being so generous that it moved them to a point of change that would cost something for them. The building that we sit in here today, the fact that we even have equipment or Wi-Fi or anything in this space is because of the generosity of a bunch of people in the western suburbs that you and I, or you in particular, will probably never meet. Because they saw a vision and they knew that generosity moves me to a place that changes me. It requires great sacrifice. I've seen God's generosity through the fact that we even have church here on Sunday. The music that is played. It's not like everybody up there is getting paid. All right? They're not. The fact that when you came in, maybe you had a piece of fruit or you caved on a donut back there, all right? That was given by somebody in this space. They donated their time and their service. If you have kids, that your kids are being taught something today. There are all kinds of pieces and examples of generosity that are flowing out from this space right here today. I've seen generosity in God's people that that we're willing to have a deep conversation, that we're not willing to just settle with like, let's talk about the Super Bowl and all the things that are going on, which I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl this afternoon, don't get me wrong, all right? But the fact that I'm gonna ask some questions that are deeper about who you are and why you exist, and that when God's people do these very things, we are being generous towards one another. And when we open up our homes, in radical ways, and welcome people in that certainly don't deserve it. And we're willing to listen more than talk. God's people are being generous in ways that change, but it requires some kind of sacrifice. See, God is challenging us to be generous to a point that it changes you to a point of sacrifice in our lives. And too often we think that generosity is only found in the abundance of things, right? That when I have enough, <laughs> the first to tell you you're never going to have enough. When I have more time, be the first to tell you that there will always be time to do all kinds of other things. 
true generosity will get us to a place of where we know that it's going to change us, and it requires a sacrifice. You know what's so fascinating when I think about generosity, though, is that, that oddly enough, that when we, when we give, when we give to a point that it changes us, to a point that we sacrifice for others, it's so beautiful because this is at the point that, that God uses those moments for powerful ways. They're vehicles that God chooses to use by his grace in our lives. And, and I see this because this all flows out of who God is and his ultimate sacrifice. That the God that we are singing songs to here today, the God that we are praying to, the God that we're studying and reading his word on, he was and is generous. And he's still changing us in the process. Because real generosity isn't about an amount that you give. Real generosity is about a point that changes you, that comes at a sacrifice. You might say, okay, how do we do that? How does that work? We'll come back next week. <laughs> we'll talk more about that this requires us to be intentional with the things that we have and all that God has gifted us. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God who is generous, who goes to great lengths. I thank you for the story of Zacchaeus and just the change that came because of your sacrifice. I pray, God, that we would not only experience that, but that we would share that with others as well. May we be people who point to you, who point to your generosity, knowing that, that in those moments of great sacrifice, we're, we're more like you. Help us to to remove the thoughts that this is only about money. God, there are so many ways to be generous and that includes the money that we have. But may we honor you fully in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.